As we um, continue in a spirit of worship, I'm going to invite you um, as we pray together. God, we have chosen this day to not let the rocks cry out, but instead for our mouths to inhabit praise. Um, this day, instead of just allowing the trees of the field to clap their hands, we too have um, clapped our hands. God, along with all of creation, um, the heavens and all that is below, we have joined in, we are leaning in, oh God calling you by name, a God who is with us and who is near us, calling you by name, a God who is mighty and a God who is good, calling you by name, a God who is everlasting and a God who operates in time and outside of time, calling you by name, the God who will rescue us, the God who will never grow weary, the God who will not faint, calling you by name, some of us here who need you to be a friend, calling you by name. Some of us here who need you to be a good steward, calling you by name. Some of us here who need you to be a provider, calling you by name. Some of us who need you to be one who makes us well and whole, so we call you our Savior. God, we pray this day that you will meet us at the very place of our needs, and God, if you would choose to be so good that you would meet us at the place of our wants, that we would be able to declare beyond this place how you are a good God who has shown up for us, and why we did not need to let the rocks cry out, <laughs> and why we didn't need to let the trees of the field be the only ones who clapped their hands that we can say because we have experienced the goodness of God. We too want to join with even the heavenly realm who would announce that you would be the savior of the world. We want to join with them as we offer you all glory and honor and praise this day. If we had a thousand tongues, oh God, we would praise you with them all for the ways in which you have shown up for us just this day but oh if we could rehearse your goodness over the course of this last week over the course of the last month over the course of the last 21 months we would be here forever and yet we would count it the greatest most beautiful task to do that worshipful work of reminding ourselves and declaring to you how you are good God would you continue to to bless us and to draw near to us, that we might sense your presence in this place. And that by the power of your Holy Spirit, O oh God, that as the scriptures are read and also as the word is proclaimed, that we might hear clearly this day what it is that you want to say to us and that you would speak a word over us that would bring us life. All of this we pray in the strong name of your Son, Jesus Christ, Savior of the world, bread of heaven, the one who is good. Amen. Amen. Friends, I have to say, it is so nice, absolutely 
like glorious to get to stand in this place. Um, I'm going to um, just confess to you that in a lot of ways I have felt a little bit like, um, you know, um, like how it was before, like the first day of seventh grade, like specifically middle school, when you're like trying to, you know, practice your your walk into the school so that people will know that like you are so ready, you know, with your trapper keeper. Um, I have been thinking about what was going, what is it going to feel like when I actually get to be in this place? But it feels like being home um, to to gather and to sing together and um, to figure out what our new rhythms uh, in life will be as we. Um, as we rest in worshiping indoors um, together, recognizing that we're still journeying in the midst of a pandemic. I don't think it's by coincidence. I really do think that it's God-breathed timing that when we made this transition indoors, it would align with the Advent season. For those of you um, who may know about Advent, Advent is the four-week season leading up to, um, to Christmas. It, it is a time when we, when we wait with hope, with expectation, uh, recognizing and celebrating Christ who has come into the world, and also to making room and making space in our lives for Christ's arrival, for Christ to return again, however we might understand Christ's second coming. And so it is a time where we do wait with hope, and it is a time that we also prepare ourselves. You know that, that um, famous uh, song, Prepare Him Room? We literally prepare our lives to make space for however it is that the power and the presence of Christ might, um, might dwell among us. And so this, um, this morning, I want to talk about what does it look like for us um, not only to be prepared, but also those who prepare the world <laughs> to make space for um, how we might keep our eyes and our ears and our lives open to the stirring and the movement and the presence of, of Jesus. And so I want you to hear now these words um, from Luke chapter 3, beginning with uh, the first verse, um, a common text that is oftentimes read during the season of Advent. And I pray that if you've heard these words before, that you will hear them this day with new ears. And the gospel writer says this, in the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was ruler of Galilee and his brother Philip ruler of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis and Lysanias ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Anas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. But I want you to hear again these words. John the Baptist, who fulfills the prophecy in the book of Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I one time heard someone uh, try to tell a joke that if you are in church and you are asked a question and you don't know the answer to the question, that the best thing that you can do is just say Jesus. 
Like, you, you can't go wrong. And for those of you who have ever been a part of maybe a church community or church tradition when, um, you know, children come to the front and there's like, quote, unquote, a children's sermon, almost always when children are asked a question, they will say, they'll say Jesus. And I understand why Jesus is a really good person to go ahead and just answer as, uh, as, uh, um, as a means of any kind of uh, creative or curiosity or inquiry, because Jesus is the central character of the gospel. Uh, Jesus is, is the one who, who makes all things right. Uh, Jesus is the one who we, we anchor our hope in the redeeming of all things. Uh, Jesus is the one that we are going to sing to, that we're going to say uh, we, want, um, we want to adore, we want to worship. Um, Jesus is central to how we understand our very faith and that we who are called Christians, our little Christ, we say that Christ not only dwells uh, within us, but Christ's power also works through us. But in this particular passage of Scripture, though we don't get a whole lot of background about John, I want you to see John as the main character of this particular passage of Scripture. John, who is the cousin of Jesus. I mean, can you imagine if you get to say when you're walking down the streets of Galilee, oh, yeah, Jesus, that's my cousin. Yeah, we, could, we, we related. That's not my play cousin. That's my, my cousin cousin. But John was an interesting character. John um, doesn't get figurines in the Advent season. How many of you have the John the Baptist figurine by your, you know, nativity set? No. How many of you have ever seen a card, a Hallmark card with John the Baptist's image on it? John was a little bit strange in his approach even in his life purpose. It says that John would wear very woolly clothes, that John was on a plant-based diet eating locusts and honey in the wilderness. John didn't, didn't, didn't uh, proclaim good news in the city center or in religious spaces, but it was in the wilderness that John basically would scream to people <laughs> to repent of their sins, to turn from the way of life that bound them, and, and to announce that the coming king was making his arrival. It was kind of a, a non-traditional type of ministry that John took up. But here is the thing that you need to know about John and why John is so central to this particular passage of scripture and maybe even central to the way in which we take up a posture in Advent, is that John's voice is credible, number one. There is another moment in um, the scriptures where John and Jesus get confused um, with each other. If you're going to be confused with anyone, you want to be confused with Jesus. John is credible. John lived the kind of life that when Jesus was out on the scene after John had died, people thought that Jesus was actually John who had come back to life. That says something about John's life. But here's the other thing about John that is so beautiful, is that John's very purpose was dedicated to telling others about the glory and the goodness of his cousin Jesus. His whole life was about people understanding that there is majesty and glory and power and salvation in his cousin. So much so that it says that when Mary and Elizabeth, Elizabeth being the mother of John, uh, Mary being the mother of, of Jesus, that when these two women greet, even John has an encounter in the womb before he has actually been in the presence of, of his cousin. 
And it says that John, in this specific time, the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, when, when Pontius Pilate, when Herod was also a ruler, when Herod's brother Philip was also a ruler, when we had the name, who are the high priests? It's a particular time under a particular empire that people are waiting, not for these human rulers, but they're waiting to know this Messiah that they have read about, that they have heard about in the prophets who will come to truly save them. That John busts out on the scene saying, we're going to prepare the way for this coming king. And John is like, I need you all to know that what I'm doing in the wilderness is not random. I didn't pop up in the wilderness because no one wanted me in the church or in the temple. What I'm doing in the wilderness is actually going to speak and fulfill the prophecy of the one who has come and the one that we say will come again. I am preparing you and I am getting you ready. That's basically what John's, John's uh, doing. I I'm inviting you into new life because I'm trying to get you ready. I am preparing the way of the Lord. This one who is going to make every valley be filled and every mountain low. This one who's going to make the crooked paths straight. And that when all see him, they will see the salvation of the world. See, this is what John was trying to say. I am preparing the way for you to know that this one named Jesus who has come, the kingdom of God is near. You can touch Jesus. That this one who has come into the world has come into the world not simply to make the world nicer. But this one who is coming into the world, my cousin, has come to save the world and to make the world whole. My cousin isn't coming just to, to play tiddlywinks with the world. My cousin is coming to heal the world. And I am going to proclaim this good news. I am going to prepare the way. I'm going to be a part of others understanding who my cousin is. I want you to know that what I'm doing is not random in the 15th year of these particular rulers, that what I'm doing is purposeful, that you might know this one named Jesus, keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on him. John prepares those who would listen to him in the wilderness. And John understands this preparation, this equipping, this getting ready, this helping others to know, is a part of something greater for his life and also for our lives. John prepares, but we also too can take up a posture of saying, we want to prepare. We want to help others to have the ears and the eyes and the hearts open to know that something is happening in this season. So I'm going to ask you um, a question that's a simple question. And let me just tell you that the answer to this question is not Jesus, okay? <laughs> How many of you have 
done any preparations in your home to make your home look more like Advent or Christmas? Okay, a good majority of us. I confess, I'm a person who doesn't necessarily deck the halls with balls of holly. Fala la 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 la, no. Because um, when I think about all the hard work and labor that goes in actually getting my house together, then I think about, oh my goodness, in January after I'm tired and have spent too much money on things, I gotta take it all down. So I was like, you know what, let me not set myself up for failure and I just won't, you know? I'll enjoy other people's decorations. But something caught hold of me this year, friends. I don't know what it was, but something caught hold of me this year. And I went out to the farmer's market and I bought myself a little tree, like a tree that I could literally hold with one hand now, <laughs> that could fit in a Mini Cooper, and that I could take out to the side of the road or hurl to the side of the road without having to invite or ask anybody to help me. And I put out Advent candles and I signed up for an Advent devotional and every Sunday evening, in the season of Advent, I will have a ritual to prepare myself. And I'll tell you why I think this year <laughs> I needed to prepare. Because sometimes our preparation speaks to the greater thing that we believe is happening. When you make space in your house, for a guest, it's because you know that someone is going to have to occupy that guest room. So you begin to do things believing in a greater reality. When some of you who are parents or guardians know that a child is going to be living under your roof, you prepare in such a way for the greater reality of the child's coming. I don't know what it is, but this particular advent, I'm waiting with hope, me who lives in the second year of a pandemic, in this appointed time, I'm like, I need to do particular things that prepare myself to believe in something that is greater. But if you do not put up a tree, <laughs> friends, and if you don't have cute black Santa mugs like I've got, You still have the capacity and the ability like John to prepare the world to know there is one who is coming into the world. Yes, John gets to boast that he is the cousin of Jesus, but we get to boast that we are children of the Most High God. So how will you bear witness and testify to the goodness of this one who has come and who is coming again in this season of Advent? How will you say that, you know what, I have seen of Jesus this disruptive power that when this light comes into the world, no oppressive system can overcome it. How are you going to bear witness to that? How will you testify that this one who is called the everlasting God does not get weary when we go from three months to six months to nine months to 21 months in a pandemic? How will you testify? How will you prepare the world uh, to, to know uh, that when people feel like they have been disconnected from community, that they're going to get a savior named Emmanuel who will come and be with you? 
Add to your Advent list. Put up tree, get mugs, put out candles, prepare, declare, testify, bear witness, be a voice. Crying out, guess what? In a wilderness. <laughs> that we are crazy enough to believe in the one who makes every single valley of the shadow of death filled to the brim with goodness. Who will take every mountaintop that feels too difficult to climb and make it low. That every crooked and circuitous place that leads us to nowhere will make it straight. And that when we see this one who comes, born to one of low estate, that we have seen the glory of salvation. Friends, might you be like John? Say something. Say something about the one who is coming. We're not even worthy to untie the loops on Christ's sandals. And yet this is the one who has come, who is coming again, but who we also declare is here. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, would you give us the ability to see how it is that we might prepare in this season? Maybe it is to be still to bear witness to a God of rest. Or maybe it is to be about right action that we might bear witness to a God of justice. Maybe it's to take the very high and the low moments of our lives as testimonies to declare this is what God has done for me. And this is what I trust that God will do for others and in this world. as you set us in our wilderness outposts, work, home, neighborhood, world. Strengthen our voices, oh God, that we might make some declarations in this season that speak to the belief and the trust that we have in your incarnate presence, love that stepped down, fully human, fully divine, to dwell among us, not just to make us nice, but to dwell among us to make us whole. Prepare us, O oh God, to prepare others as we make room for you. 
this, O oh God, we pray in the strong name of your son, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen.